Edward Jones, who knows that just like life, financial planning isn't only about long-term goals. It's about the moments big and small along the way. And when it comes to achieving everyday financial goals, Edward Jones works hard to connect you with someone you can trust professionally and personally. That's why they created their free financial advisor matching tool to help you find a financial advisor in your community. When you take the quiz and get your matches, don't expect just a list of resumes. You'll also see each financial advisor's story and personal interests. And when it's time to meet for the first time, they'll focus on your story, asking questions to understand where you're headed and why. Because Edward Jones knows that at the end of the day, behind every financial goal is a life goal. And that's what really matters. To learn more and find your financial advisor partner, take the quiz at match.edwardjones.com. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We begin with stocks in a bit of a holding pattern as investors brace for the Federal Reserve's next policy move, one that could raise interest rates to their highest level in 22 years. And we have Amazon on alert as federal regulators are reportedly set to file a long-awaited antitrust lawsuit against the tech giant. Shares are falling in the pre-market on that report. And we're seeing shares of Snap also selling off with its year-to-date gain set to get cut in half this morning. We're going to tell you why coming up in just a minute. Plus, Microsoft coming up short in cloud, putting some early pressure on that stock. And then later in the show, we're seeing a regional bank stock pop as the sector's M&A wave, it moves closer to the shore. It is Wednesday, July the 26th, 2023, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start your day. We're kicking it off with a look at U.S. stock futures right now. In the red right now, but basically the S&P is flat. The Dow Jones, the Nasdaq, fractionally lower. This is investors await the latest policy decision from the Fed and an all but certain 25 basis point hike. One that would bring interest rates to their highest level in 22 years. Ahead of that, we're checking the bond market. Not seeing a lot of movement when it comes to the benchmark 10-year. Just a basis point or two higher than it closed yesterday, 3.88. We still continue to see that inverted yield curve. We're also looking more broadly at some of the movers this morning. And, of course, it's all about big tech. Starting off with shares of Microsoft. Under pressure despite a top and bottom line beat for its most recent quarter, but it's weaker than expected Azure sales weighing on the stock. You can see Microsoft down more than 4% this morning. Quite the different story for Alphabet, reporting a second straight quarter of accelerating sales growth following a post-pandemic slowdown. Google Cloud revenue up 28% from a year ago. Stock reacting to that up almost 7% in the pre-market. We're also looking at shares of Snap getting hit very hard, expecting revenue to remain flat or fall as much as 5% in its current quarter as its ad struggles continue. Its year-to-day share gains getting set to get cut in half. Taking a look at the stock this morning, down more than 18%. We want to toss things over to our Arjun Kapal. He joins us now. Arjun, good morning. What's your reaction to these earnings when it comes to big tech yesterday? Well, Frank, sort of a, a tale of two tech companies with Microsoft and Alphabet, really, the big ones. They'll kick off with Microsoft. I think the expectations were very high going into this, given the fact that there's been so much hype around artificial intelligence for the past six to eight months or so, particularly around Microsoft. But all in all, I think it was a pretty good quarter, despite those after-hour drop you're seeing with Microsoft. Cloud growth remained positive, up 26% year-on-year for Azure. That is in an environment where businesses are cutting spending on cloud. So Microsoft sh- showing its core cloud business 
business still remaining pretty resilient. I think Microsoft also pushing forward with those AI products in partnership with OpenAI. The company has a big investment in as well. It's integrated a lot of those products into its technologies like Bing, for example. It's released a new product called Microsoft Copilot based on some of that OpenAI technology as well. So those are all positives. I think the disappointment for the market came in a couple areas. One really was that very slight slowdown in cloud growth. Azure up around 26% year on year in the quarter just gone. That was versus 27% in the first quarter of this year. But remember also, uh, it was 40% growth in uh, Q2 last year. So, uh, but, but the comparisons are very tough with last year because a lot of the demand was pulled forward. So that's why you saw uh, the sort of big bump there. And I think the other one was really around the huge hype around AI. I think there were a lot of investors expecting there to be this massive AI bump for Microsoft of some sort in the quarter that just didn't happen. And the CFO, Amy Hood, really saying that AI is going to take a little bit more time to feed through the numbers and they're right. likely going to see uh, a big impact from that in okay. uh, so, the next uh, year as so well. Arja, Microsoft shares down 4%. We want to pivot over to Alphabet as well. Yeah, and on Alphabet, I mean, we knew this won't be blowout numbers in the quarter. And Alphabet had one job, to show the market that it, its core business, its advertising business, could remain pretty, pretty resilient. And that's what it did. Uh, you saw Google's ad business up around 3.3% year on year for the quarter just gone. YouTube beating expectations as well. We know YouTube, a very key part of Alphabet's uh, product offering when it comes to advertising as well. And the other big one here for Alphabet was cloud, up 28% year on year again, showing that it continues to be able to grow with the big players in in the form of Microsoft and Amazon as well. And that's, I think, why uh, investors were so excited, in particular, around Alphabet, Frank. So, Arjun, we also want to touch on Amazon. Shares falling in the pre-market this morning. The antitrust drumbeat appears to be growing louder, following up on what's been expected for a few weeks. Politico now reporting the FTC is finalizing a lawsuit against Amazon. It's focused on fair competition in its prime business, and the FTC could actually possibly look to break this company up. What's your take on this? Yeah, very big report. And I just wanted to dig into some of the key parts of that report. Politico reporting that the complaint is likely to focus on challenges to Amazon Prime. Amazon's rules that the FTC believes anyway blocks lower prices on competing websites and policies the FTC thinks forces merchants to use Amazon's logistics and advertising services. Now, the FTC has interviewed dozens of witnesses, both inside and outside of Amazon, including CEO Andy Jassy and founder Jeff Bezos as well, Politico report. The agency has collected millions of documents from Amazon and third parties over the last three years or so in building its case. So, so part of the accusations will be around the way Amazon allegedly bundles products to boost its market power. Part of it will be around other practices, including advertising, according to Politico. And the FTC plans to file the complaint in a federal court rather than its in-house tribunal. If the FTC is successful, it could have huge implications for Amazon, including some potential restructuring to the business. Now, the FTC hasn't been hugely hugely successful so far, excuse me, under Chair Lena Khan in taking big tech on. But investors are certainly concerned about the potential about this case with Amazon shares lower in pre-market trade, Frank. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of moves when it comes to big tech. Microsoft and Amazon down, Alphabet up big. Arjun, thank you very much. All right, we're now turning our attention to the banking sector and that wave of regional consolidation we warned you about weeks ago. It may be starting now. Our Savannah Hanau is here with more on that. Savannah, good morning. 
Hey, Frank, good morning to you. Yes, yeah, so that's right. Shares of PacWest Bancor surging ahead of the open after the company confirmed earlier reports it's agreeing to be bought by smaller rival Bank of California in an all-stock merger. Now, the deal is also being backed by two private equity firms, Warburg Pincus and Centerbridge, who will provide $400 million in equity. And the deal values PacWest at $960 a share. That's a 25% premium based on yesterday's closing price. And it's not just the regionals taking off. Shares of Wells Fargo also higher in the pre-market after the bank said it will buy back $30 billion in stock. Wells adding its board also approved a previously announced dividend hike of $0.05 a share to $0.35. Now, watching a big bounce in the banks this morning, Keycord, Truist, Regents Financial, Citizens, U.S. Bank are all higher ahead of the open, Frank. Yeah, we're seeing kind of a rise when it comes to these regional banks. The KRE, Regional Bank ETF, up 2% in the pre-market right now. Silvana, thank you very much. All right, a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, getting set for the Fed and why Jay Powell's track record with traders is far from ideal. Plus, showing investors how to think outside of the box. Our week-long look at some of the -the under-the-radar ideas it continues with a check on some red-hot real estate plays. And then later, what a tentative Teamsters UPS deal, what it could mean for labor costs, consumer prices, and for the broader economy. Milken Institute Chief Economist Bill Lee is coming up. We have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Brought to you by Eden Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Eden Vance High Yield ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find smart bond selection from a specialized team with deep fixed income expertise. Get to know what's inside EVHY, the symbol of high yield done right, at EdenVance.com slash CNBC. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment's objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at EdenVance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured, offer no bank guarantee, may lose value, not insured by any federal government agency, not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. The Dow now on its longest winning streak since February of 2017, while the S&P is at its highest level since April of last year. But will the Fed get in the way of all these good vibes? Check out this chart from Bespoke Investment Group. It shows the average performance of the S&P on Fed days since 1994, Fed and Bernanke. Seeing the best performance with an average gain of a half a percent on decision days. Current Fed Chair Jay Powell, that's the white line, has the weakest return so far with a gain of one-tenth of a percent and then highlighted by late-day sell-offs following his news conference. Let's get more insight now with Bill Stone, CIO at the Glenview Trust Company. Bill, good morning. Good morning. All right. So we just kind of showed the chart that right there. Muted gains following a Fed decision during Jay Powell's tenure, combined with some late day sell offs with this hike widely expected. And the Fed just telling us 
Expect another hike after this one. Could a hawkish tone from Jay Powell, do you believe that could set us up for another late-day sell-off? Yeah, and I think that's a lot of what's probably haunted his track record, right? Because we've we've had a few times where we've said, oh, this is, you know, or at least the market has said, this has been, you know, maybe the last hike, uh, and we're back there again uh, with at least the, the bond market pricing in no more hikes. Uh, and I think, you know, if you look at, at the underlying strength of the economy, the wage growth, et cetera, uh, I think you've got to say there's a good possibility this isn't the last hike. And I think that's why you'll hear him press back against it, which which may cause uh, some weakness in the market uh, after uh, after he speaks. So, Bill, you're mentioning the pricing on the bond market about another hike. Why is everybody fighting the Fed? And is this rally uh, in spite of what the Fed is saying or is that already priced in in your mind, the idea that we could have another hike after today? So, you know, it, it's hard. To, so at least in the bond market, we've got somewhere south of of 50 percent chance of another hike in November. Um, you know, it's always hard to figure out exactly what's priced into equities um, with the with the strong move so far this year. I think more equities are priced on much less of a chance of a recession here anytime in in the short run. You know, those somewhat go together. Right. Because you right. assume Fed keeps hiking too much, you have to hike your also your your risk of recession. All right. So I want to bounce something off you. We're going to talk more about this later in the show, but we just talked about it just now. Another hike would bring rates to their highest level in 22 years, of course, raising the cost of capital. At the same time, we're seeing UPS and the Teamsters strike a deal. We're seeing other labor negotiations that could increase the cost of wages, reduce margins for a lot of companies. Is that being priced into this market? You, you know, that, that's where I, I think you're right. That, that I think is the risk is that because the Fed can't be comfortable with the wage growth pace that we've got going on, um, and that they can stop hiking necessarily. Now, maybe generative AI and other things will make up in enough productivity that it won't end up mattering. And I think that's where you got to be careful not to necessarily jump to too many conclusions. Um, I just kind of think of it as, the one risk I see in the market is that we do have to deal with more Fed hikes and eventually that that does weigh enough to to kind of hit earnings again because earnings estimates are coming off their at least the the estimates are coming off their trough and I think that's part of what's lifted the market lately. All right, Bill Stone, we gotta leave the conversation there. Thank you so much for your time Thank right you. now. We're looking at the earnings scorecard uh down year to date, as expected though. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we have a second look at some beaten down names in real estate and under the radar opportunities our next guest says are prime for a bounce back. It's our summer stock spotlight, and it's coming up right after this. Stick with us. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers. We start with Texas Instruments moving lower Q3 revenue and profit forecast coming in below estimates due to a slowish slow, sluggish recovery in end-market demand that has forced clients to cancel orders. The chipmaker adding that weak China recovery has also impacted growth as the country made up roughly half of sales at the end of fiscal 2022. 
Shares of Texas Instruments down 3.5%. Robert Halfshare is also clocking out after the employment agency missed earnings expectations, with management saying the company was affected by clients' elongated hiring cycle. Shares of Robert Half down more than 10%. And Teladoc stock looking to be in good health, rallying on a better-than-expected earnings report where it narrowed its loss and grew revenue in the second quarter. The virtual healthcare provider CEO attributing the strong performance to the introduction and expansion of new products and services, as well as investment in innovation, expense control, and vertically integrated care. Shares of Teladoc up more than 6.5%. All right, time now for our week-long special looking outside the box for some under-the-radar investing opportunities. Today, it's all about real estate, which has seen the worst performance in, this, in the S&P over the last 18 months. Our Diana Olick joins us now with a look where the opportunities are at the bottom. Diana, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Yeah, rising interest rates really took their toll on real estate, causing values to plummet due to the higher costs of financing. And the office sector is, of course, grabbing the headlines as return to work has been, let's just say, difficult. But some analysts say REITs are ready to rise. Jonathan Krinsky at BTIG notes REITs have begun to break out of a small base and are very close to clearing an 18-month downtrend. Perhaps this brings in some momentum players. All right, so let's take a look at the sectors. Top REIT performers are data centers, timber, self-storage, apartment, and industrial REITs. The worst, as I said, office. And then infrastructure, diversified mixed-use industrial office, and retail REITs. Data centers are, of course, benefiting from the surge in AI, timber from the growth in the housing market, and apartments from still strong rental demand. Now, I want to call out one sector, though, single-family rental REITs, American Homes for Rent and invitation homes, they've been benefiting from the tight supply of homes for sale and the very pricey housing market overall. Both of those stocks are way up year to date. So what about the Fed potentially boosting interest rates even more? Well, NARI, the industry association, just released its mid-year forecast and said, while U.S. public equity REITs may not have been immune from the current economic uncertainty and mortgage market turmoil, our review of REIT balance sheets and debt suggests that REITs are well positioned to navigate the ongoing high interest rate environment because of their strong balance sheets. That, of course, will still depend on the sector and investor risk tolerance for deal making. Frank. All right, Diana, we're going to continue this conversation. For more on potential investments around REITs, let's bring in Handel St. Just, Senior REIT and Home Builders Analyst at Mizuho Securities USA. Handel, good morning. Thank you for being here. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, certainly happy to share our thoughts this morning on the REIT sector and the current backdrop of rising interest rates, uh, slowing growth, and uh, limited credit availability. Um, but first, I'd say that, listen, we're not blind to the risks that you outlined that Diana spoke about as well as concerns about a stretched consumer and another imminent rate hike. But we think the concerns are priced in at current valuations that REITs offer good defense uh, in this uncertain backdrop and look attractive versus the S&P, versus their own history, and versus uh, NAV. And while there are well-documented issues within certain subsectors, like office, uh, most other sectors are doing fine fundamentally, a number of which I know we'll be getting into further. And lastly, it appears the Fed's almost done raising rates here, and so the headwind of rising rates should dissipate and there's lots of capital on the sidelines uh, waiting to get into the space. So we'd like to set up here. Um, and Handel, I wanted to ask you to dig into office a little more. You just mentioned it. We've been talking about it, obviously, a ton the last couple of months. We've seen a couple of buildings go back to the banks. We've seen some walk away. But how much worse do you think it's going to get when it comes to the hit on banks and the hit on investors in the office sector? 
Well, you know, that's a great question. And certainly one that still, I think, has uh, time uh, and, and, and risk involved. Certainly what inning of this melting ice cube are we in? Uh, an environment where uh, tenants want less space. Uh, people have been comfortable working from home the last couple of years. Uh, financing uh, is very challenging. Uh, and rents probably haven't stopped falling. But uh, again, it's not an issue that I think affects most other subsectors. So it attracts lots of headlines, but office streets these days are such a small piece of the overall index. And so we think REITs overall as a subsector uh, have lots of good pockets of uh, investment opportunity absent what's going on in the office space these days. So, Hanno, obviously different REITs handle different areas, but as a broader group, how should investors look at them when it comes to valuation? You mentioned valuations are elevated, but also yield and long-term outlook. We just saw recently uh, Crown Castle actually cut some of its workforce. Sure. Listen, I think that depends how you look at valuation. Certainly anything versus their own history on a multiples basis, REITs look pretty fairly to attractively value uh, versus the S&P. Uh, we think REITs look relatively attractively valued. Perhaps versus fixed income benchmarks, they look a bit more fully valued. Uh, but look, we think the sector offers uh, good attractive yields here, 4% average dividend yields. The balance sheet's in really good place. The payout ratio is relatively low. And there's a decent growth opportunity, low mid-single digits into next year. So all in all, a pretty competitive total return opportunity here. And again, a pretty uh, low risk-adjusted uh, basis. Um, you mentioned low low re- yield, high return. Um, this has always been a low interest rate play, the REIT sector, and that's why it did so well when interest rates were at zero. For the average investor out there looking at stocks to buy, why get into REITs when they could get higher interest rates perhaps somewhere else, higher yield? Sure. Well, listen, again, I think that the current valuations, how we look at the space, uh, suggest to us that there's a relatively attractive entry point. And so, not again, not oblivious to the the rising rates impact, likely going to see another uh, very imminent rate hike here. Uh, but again, I think that those issues are, are well known, priced in, uh, fundamentals across most subsectors. I know we'll get into residential, uh, storage, uh, industrial are still very good, and there's pricing power and rental rate growth. And so I think when you look at it all um, in totality, in terms of the current relative opportunity, uh, the risk of rates going up from here appear to be relatively modest. And again, they that risk appears to be priced in against the backdrop of still solid fundamentals, still decent earnings growth. Uh, we think that for folks concerned about rising rates, certainly we acknowledge that and understand that. But again, given where we are in the rate high cycle, uh, given the opportunities we see it for total competitive total return here, uh, we think REITs are certainly worth another look and would highlight certain subsectors I mentioned before within residential, industrial, and other pockets, perhaps including healthcare. All right, Handel St. Just and Diane Olick, thank you to both of you. Great discussion on REITs. All right, straight ahead here on Worldwide Exchange, why shares of Snap can't seem to catch a break as S-Docs get set to cut its year-to-date gains in half. We're going to be right back after this break. It's right around 5.30 a.m. in the New York City area. There's still a lot ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here is what's still on deck. Investors getting ready for the Fed's latest policy decision and clues on whether the central bank may be ready to call it a day on its year-and-a-half rate-hiking campaign. We're also watching shares of Microsoft and Alphabet. They're heading in opposite directions after their latest earnings report, front and center for both, the cloud. And the FTC reportedly ramping up its regulatory efforts with its long-expected plan to try to break up Amazon. It is Wednesday, July the 26th. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. 
All right, welcome back. I'm Frank Holland. Thank you for tuning in to Worldwide Exchange. Let's get you ready to start the day. First, we're going to check U.S. stock futures. Taking a look right now, you can see right across the board, the S&P basically flat, however. The Dow Jones, the Nasdaq down fractionally, something we'll continue to watch. We're also looking at the bond market ahead of the Fed meeting and decision later today. Taking a look at the benchmark 10-year, pretty much where it was yesterday, 3.88, still seeing the inverted yield curve. We'll talk more about the bond market later on the show. The latest Fed decision due out at 2 p.m. Eastern today, followed by Chairman Jay Powell's news conference at 2.30 p.m. The markets, they are all but certain the central bank will raise its benchmark lending rate to the highest level in 22 years. Just one month after hitting pause with the CME FedWatch tool now showing a 99 percent chance of an 11th rate increase since the campaign began last year. Joining me now is William Lee, chief economist at the Milken Institute. Bill, good morning. Hey, Frank, thanks for having me. All right, so the Fed, it has told us, it's telegraphed, outdated reference, but it's telegraphed, rate hike t- uh, today and also another one later this year. Um, do you believe, as we've seen in previous year uh, quarters or t- previous decisions, that a hawkish tone from Jay Powell will lead to a late-day sell-off? It's often the case that the markets just don't believe the Fed when they tell everyone, we are not done raising rates because inflation is not down at 2% as not uh, securely on its way to 2%. And yet every time the uh, chair Paul comes on, uh, the markets say, okay, this is it. He's going to be hinting at some sort of a pause. And I think markets are just uh, yet to be convinced. Well, clearly, I mean, we continue to see a rally. So um, after inflation, that's one of the things that this data-dependent Fed says they're watching. What do you think the other important metrics are? Are they looking at some of the other things that we're seeing, not only in the market, but in the economy? I think the markets are not seeing how strong the U.S. economy really is. We Every revision to GDP and even the latest forecast from the Fed's GDP now is telling us the economy is pumping along at about one and a half, two percent. In fact, the latest number for uh, estimate for Q2 is going to be two and a half percent. So we are having a very strong economy despite the rate increases we've seen so far. And markets in some ways shouldn't be surprised that the economy is so strong because we really haven't had high rates for that long. Uh, high rates meaning real interest rates. In other words, the five-year uh, Treasury has not been above the expected rate of inflation for, for about a year. And it generally takes about a year for the economy to start to drag. But this economy is is much stronger. But, Bill, that's the market. What about the Fed? How do you think the Fed sees some of the things we're seeing? Because we have seen like a lot of gyrations. Bank earnings coming in better than expected, maybe more credit availability than expected. But still, we're seeing a stretched consumer. We are seeing some slowdowns when it comes to manufacturing um, and other areas of the market. The Fed is scratching its head because its channels for monetary policy tightening are usually through the housing sector and the industrial sector. We saw, we're seeing it clearly in the industrial sector that that's slowing down. Housing uh, is supposed to be the first to get crushed. And yet we see, as Diana Oleg has kept telling us, housing seems to be reviving. We see the Case-Shiller home prices start to turn up again. And, and so the Fed is really asking themselves, have we really raised rates enough? And what's happened to the, our, our power? What's happened to the power of the monetary policy? And, and I think the, head, the, the steam that the economy has developed is causing the Fed to pause. So, Bill, we also want to get your take on a developing story we've been tracking all week long. UPS and the Teamsters Union, representing 340,000 workers, say they've reached a preliminary labor deal that includes raises for both full and part-time workers, and it very narrowly avoids a potential strike that could have cost the economy about $7 billion, even just in the first 10 days. So what's being called a $30 billion agreement marking the latest development in what we're calling 
the summer of strikes and some potentially huge labor contracts, including at United, the FedEx pilots also negotiating, uh, the SAG Actors Union, the Writers Guild. We also have United Auto Workers. What's your take on the impact of all these different labor disputes and negotiations and the potential increase on labor cost and also margin contraction for a lot of companies? The summer of strikes is a good example of what it is that's really worrying the Fed. Wage increases are going to be feeding into prices or profit margins are going to get crushed. And when we see UPS truck drivers on average getting $95,000 a year and, and tractor-trailer drivers getting over $110,000 a year, those kind of settlements in the face of waning demand for truck uh, 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 traffic and truck tra uh, uh, drivers uh, because the economy itself is slightly slowing, especially for delivery of goods, that's what gets the Fed worried that we're not going to have enough pressure from the labor market to keep inflation down. Core inflation, don't forget, is still has a forehandle close to 5% and can easily turn back up again. Bill Lee, we got to leave the conversation there. Thank you so much for your time and for your insight. Great to see you as always. Thanks, All right, man. turning now to some of your big money movers, we are talking about big tech right now. Google and Microsoft moving in opposite directions after reporting their results. While both companies beat on the top and the bottom lines, weaker than expected cloud growth and uncertain AI rollout timeline and a margin warning. Those are sending shares of Microsoft lower. Very different story for Google. Reporting a pickup in revenue growth for Q2. The second straight quarter of accelerating growth following an extended slowdown after the pandemic. This all comes ahead of Meta's earnings, which come after the close today. Joining me now to discuss is James Kakback, partner at Clockwise Capital. James, good morning. Thank you for being here. Sure. All right. So you say that Meta, it has a high bar following results from Alphabet. What do investors need? What do they need to see to justify this huge rally for Meta year to date? I think as long as the top line comes in marginally ahead of where the street is, as well as the, the focus on the year of efficiency, quote unquote, uh, continues, I think that the stock could, should continue to go. The caveat for Meta is that investors have increasingly shifted their valuation methodology from earnings over to free cash flow. And the, the CapEx spending is going to be a major area of focus. So so long as you don't see CapEx kind of go off the rails here with their investments in the metaverse and AI and, and whatnot, um, you know, the stock should do reasonably well. All right. I also want to talk to you about Microsoft for a second. So no real details on its AI pilot uh, co-pilot rollout. We're not getting a date. We're not getting a time. We just have some pricing details. Could that possibly be one of the first cracks we're seeing in this AI narrative? No, I don't think so. I think when you look at Microsoft and Google, it was really just a tale of two different sets of expectations. You have these astronomical expectations for Microsoft and 11 times sales. I mean, it's supposed to be the poster child for AI, um, you know, with the exception of NVIDIA. And there was an incredibly high bar, whereas Google Alphabet has been essentially left for dead. So it's not like Microsoft did exceptionally bad and, and Google did exceptionally good. It's just that the bars were set at different levels, which is why you're seeing actually both results were, were good for both companies. But you okay. know, it's the set of expectations. And investors, unfortunately, have been slightly getting ahead of themselves, uh, given the run that we've seen in the first half of the year. All right. I want to get your take on another big mover, Snap. Uh, shares plunging right. double digits after overall sales in Q2 declined by 4%. The company offered some weak forecasts for the current quarter, also warning of margin pressure due to big investments in AI. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too started on Snap. I mean, the, the problem with Snap is, you know, I, I feel like they have an identity crisis, don't know what they want to be. If you're a small 
uh, advertising platform, you have to be a niche platform with niche use cases in order to extract the most value out of users. They're trying to be Facebook. They're trying to be everything to everyone. And that's just not a model that's sustainable, especially given uh, the investments that Meta is able to do. So I think that share shift is going to continue. And and because, you know, they're not hyper-focused on, on the niche mag, uh, uh, maximizing the uh, value per user um, versus trying to go to all users, I think that there's a structural problem there that's not going to be fixed anytime soon. All right. We have a developing story of sorts. I want to talk to you about Amazon, especially with its sure. 5% weighting in the NASDAQ 100. So obviously has a big impact on that index. The FTC yeah. is reportedly finalizing its long-awaited antitrust lawsuit against Amazon in a move that could possibly break up parts of the company, taking a look at shares uh, down almost 2% right now. What do you think about this as a risk for investors? And what do you think about this for the long-term future of the company? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not taking it too seriously. I mean, sometimes I think that Lena Khan forgets where she lives uh, because if she's a, she acts more like a European regulator, which is charged, mandated with protecting competition and other businesses. Whereas in the United States, the laws and mandates state that you have to protect consumers. And I, and I can't really see consumers being harmed from increased selection and faster delivery. I'm sure, Frank, I don't think you've been harmed by getting more selection and, and, and speed of delivery from Amazon. But, Jane, so, in all fairness, the issue is fair competition. The, the idea that the yeah. FTC is trying to put forward is that they favor people that use the logistics business as opposed to just use their marketplace business. No, I get it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a service. I mean, you elect to choose it or you don't. And, and, and the details coming out of this are incredibly sparse. I mean, there's that one article about it several hours ago, and we don't, we don't really know what's in it. And then if you look at the history of uh, uh, wins versus losses for Ms. Khan, you know, it, it leaves much to be desired. So I, 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 until I see more meat on the bones where consumers – are harmed and, and these okay. practices are, are malicious. I just not buying it. So can I, I think it's down more on Microsoft. Why do you think the stock's moving now? Because there was a report a few weeks ago, I believe it was June 29th, very similar report. It didn't have the same detail about August, but similar report that the FTC was looking at the situation, investigating and possibly looking to break up the company. Why do you think the stock's moving now? Yeah, I think it's more on Microsoft. I mean, you see the deceleration in the cloud business in Microsoft. The guidance calls for more deceleration in the third quarter. You know, this is supposed to be the bottom for Amazon's, um, the, the slowdown in the AWS growth rate. So, you know, the question is, will 3Q be slower than 2Q, which is what Microsoft is essentially um, uh, suggesting uh, with their guidance. So um, that I think it's down on that, not on this FTC. All right. So if you think it's down on that, what are you expecting from Amazon when they report? Well, it's a big position, so they better do well <laughs> for us. Uh, we're expecting, you know, uh, the, we're looking for 10, 12 percent growth in the AWS uh, this quarter and then improving from there in the third and, uh, and fourth quarters as we progress through the rest of the year. So, I mean, that, that's the big whammy. We need to see AWS show a double digit number this quarter. I think all the other segments should come in just fine. All right. So you're expecting 12 percent. Do you need to see an acceleration you're saying for the rest of the year? And then what about AI? Are you expecting a lot of AI commentary? Yeah, but the problem is with AI, it's, that's behind the scenes. And you can't really get the tangible uh, use cases that you do uh, you know, with the other companies on how AI is benefiting. How AI is benefiting them is that they're able to get a better selection near you faster, predicting what you're going to need so that that actually lowers the cost of delivery uh, for the um, for Amazon. So you're going to see it through the through the lens of margin 
uh, versus, uh, versus anything else. So behind the scenes uh, is where they'll probably be talking about it. Yeah, but what about their cloud business? I mean, you see Microsoft, uh, no specific yeah. date, but offering its AI co-pilot for 30 bucks a month. Um, Amazon has not made a, a, any announcements that are even similar to that just quite yet. Yeah, I, I can't really see them making anything similar to that just now. I mean, I, I think AI is going to power their logistics network and 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 make, ensure that they can have the right selection in, at the right location at the right time. I mean, that that's ultimately what it boils down. I don't think you're going to see kind of subscription offerings of that nature. All right, very interesting. James Schockmach looking at AWS and Amazon, saying stocks down on Microsoft results. Interesting take. Good to see you. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, a look at your morning call sheet and one health and lifestyle company seeing shares pop on the back of a fresh upgrade. We're going to give you that name when we return. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet. Raymond James downgrading Target's rating to market perform ahead of its quarterly results next month. It cites its belief that Target's quarter-to-date sales and traffic trends have remained soft. Take a look at shares of Target, down almost 1.5%. We are now turning to your mystery chart, WW International. Morgan Stanley upgraded the company's rating to overweight and its price target to $13. It says the former Weight Watchers is seeing an undervalued turnaround story. That stock's up 20% so far this week and set to tack on another 7%, at least now in the pre-market. And now we turn to one of your morning's top stock stories. We are talking about Alphabet. City raising its price target from 130 to 153 to on the back of earnings, citing what it calls a stabilizing ad environment, accelerating search growth, and likely continued upside from AI. Taking a look at shares of Alphabet this morning, up more than 6.5%. All right, time now for your global briefing. Several earnings reports of note this morning. Deutsche Bank's second quarter net profit just beating expectations despite a 27% drop year over year. The bank saying full-year revenue will likely come in the upper half of its forecast range. Shares of LG Display reporting a fifth consecutive quarterly loss. It's forecasting a return to profit in the fourth quarter thanks to expanding mobile payment shipments and other made-to-order business. And shares of Rolls-Royce soaring more than 20% after it hiked its profit forecast for the year. The British aerospace and defense giant hitting a new 52-week high today. U.S. prosecutors are charging British billionaire and Tottenham Hotspurs owner Joe Lewis with what they call a brazen insider trading scheme. They say Lewis gave everyone from, quote, friends and lovers information from companies in which he was an investor. And NetWest CEO Allison Rose is stepping down over the uproar over the bank, disclosing information about noted Brexit supporter Nigel Farage. The move coming just hours after the bank's board said that she had their full confidence. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, the one word that every investor needs to know today, plus the Fed's latest rate decision and high-profile earnings reports all on the slate today. We lay out the moves to make with your money on a very busy day ahead. Plus, be sure to catch CNBC's exclusive interview with Boeing CEO Dave Calhoun following the company's quarterly results before the bell. That's at 9 a.m. Eastern. Much more Worldwide Exchange back after this. All right, taking a look at some live shots from all around the world today in London. We just kind of hit on it. Two controversies, one involving a prominent football club owner, another involving a bank and a Brexit supporter. Hong Kong, the end of the day there, just getting started here in New York and down in D.C. The FTC looking into Amazon's business, possibly looking to break up the company. 
All right, time now for your WEX wrap-up. We're going to start with shares of PacWest Bancorp surging ahead of the open after the company confirmed early reports. It is agreeing to be bought by smaller rival Bank of California in an all-stock merger. Taking a look at sh- shares of both banks, PacWest up more than 33% in the pre-market. Bank of California up double digits as well. Shares of Wells Fargo also higher in the pre-market after the bank said it will buy back $30 billion in stock. Shares of Wells Fargo up more than 2.5%. Shares of RTX, the company formerly known as Raytheon, said to extend its worst single-day sell-off in more than three years after the company said some of its Pratt & Whitney engines need to be removed from service, taking a look at shares down almost a half a percent in the pre-market. Shares of LVMH also under pressure after a rebound in Chinese spending failed to outweigh a slowdown in its U.S. division. Those shares down more than 4%. Ant Group is reportedly planning a restructuring that will break off some non-core operations in a move some say paves the way for a revival of a Hong Kong IPO. And Stellantis, the parent company of brands like Dodge, Jeep, and Peugeot, seeing its shares pop. The carmaker says net revenue up 12% year-on-year, while net profits were up 37% between January and June. Those shares up more than 2%. Getting you ready for the day ahead, another big day for earnings with results expected from... AT&T, Boeing, Coca-Cola, and Meta. We get new home sales figures for June at 10 a.m. Eastern. And the big event of this day, we talk in the Fed decision at 2 p.m. Eastern, followed by Jay Powell's news conference at 2.30 p.m. Rate decisions and earnings reports front and center today and actually all this week. Let's dive right into it with Jeff Kleintop, Chief Global Investment Strategist at Charles Schwab. Jeff, good morning. Thanks for having me on, Frank. All right, so coming up, we obviously have that big rate decision coming up at 2 and then the Jay Powell News Conference. What's your expectation for the market day ahead? You know, this could be one where we get a bunch of bumps in the road. Look, we've got a mix of earnings coming in, as you noted, and some are good, some are bad, as we saw uh, yesterday after the close. And we've got this uh, this bumpy ride here when it comes to what the outlook is from the Fed. Powell may try to strike a balance between noting some FOMC members see another hike at uh, the next meeting. And And uh, also noting that inflation has receded. I think this is the last hike from the Fed, which is also widely expected by the markets. That's why as an investor, I'm focused on the European Central Bank. Tomorrow, the ECB will almost certainly raise rates by 25 basis points. And the market expects another one in September. I don't think so. Inflation is cooling just too fast in Europe. And recognize that uh, valuations on European stocks are at 12 times earnings, well below their 10-year average. So signs that rate hikes have come to an end could support valuation gains for European stocks. But Jeff, you're you're jumping ahead a bit. We really want to focus on today and obviously our central bank in this decision. I want to bounce something off you. This is from Bespoke Investment. Some really interesting historical research. It shows on the the average performance of the S&P on Fed days since 1994. When you look at that, during the Ben Bernanke tenure, uh, the best performance, an average gain of a half a percent on decision days. When you look at Jay Powell, take a look at the, the part where you see Jay Powell. We actually see a much less uh, of, a, of a performance, a one-tenth of a percent rise highlighted by late-day sell-offs. Do you believe if we do see a hawkish Jay Powell, I know you said you think this is the last hike, but if we do see a, Jay, a hawkish Jay Powell, does that lead to a sell-off? Because I think a lot of people are thinking like you are, this is the last hike. Yeah, we've seen enough soft economic data, including the service PMIs that just came out earlier this week, that are suggesting that the service sector of the economy may be beginning to join the manufacturing sector in a mild recession. So those concerns compounded by further rate hikes would probably put more pressure to the downside on equities. All right. So we were just looking at the earnings wall um, down 7.7 percent year over year, but actually 7.7 percent above estimates. Kind of an interesting dichotomy there. 
Um, what do you expect for the rest of the earnings season, specifically the earnings that we're getting today after the bell? A company like Meta, is that going to be a big market mover or are people looking for something to put a crack into this AI fueled rally? Well, I, I do think that there's a lot of hopes riding on the AI-fueled rally. And so the, definitely the market in the U.S. is vulnerable, just given the, the concentration of leadership in those mega caps. So I do think that's important. But beyond just one or two names, I think the trend here is listening for what's going on on the job front. You know, we've heard from businesses this earnings season so far, more talk about layoff discussions, uh, outnumbering those discussions about the inability to hire or labor shortages. That suggests we could see a turnaround in the labor market we hear more of that, that could raise some concerns about the consumer confidence that's been underpinning some of this rally. So I, I do think that there's more than just a few names that the market's going to be focused on in terms of what they're hearing from business leaders. All right. We want to look ahead to the market day ahead. What is your WEX word of the day? My word of the day is El Nino. You know, weather usually doesn't have much of an impact on markets, but that could change in the coming quarters as the potential for extreme weather highlighted by El Nino could cause significant economic disruptions. It comes at a time when the economic uh, environment is already vulnerable to shock. We're seeing he extreme heat, uh, the, the, hot the hottest week ever in the first uh, week there of July. Uh, we're seeing airlines using more fuel. To beat that heat, hospitals in the Southwest are seeing the most emergency room cases since the pandemic. Low water levels in Germany are making it impassable for cargo and coal. Rivers in France are too hot to cool nuclear reactors. So there are a lot of factors here. El Nino could result in disruptions to food production, uh, movement in, in the price of energy, insurance losses, quite a few factors here. We want to keep a close eye on it. El Nino is potentially a risk here, given the vulnerable economic backdrop. Very interesting. We don't get a lot of weather-related WEX words of the day. So with today in mind, is there any sector or any stock that you would look at right now that might be vulnerable to some of this severe weather disruption or just the El Nino disruption? Usually it's the material and the energy sectors that are most impacted. And we can see that, I think, in some of the uh, uh, energy stocks. We'll have to see what happens with fuel and, and coal and a number of other commodities as they try and get to where they're needed. We're already seeing rationing of, rationing of some electricity in some parts of Europe. So I want to focus on that. So this may be more of a Europe issue at the moment, but certainly beginning to affect the U.S. as well. Look for that to increase as we get more into the El Nino effect this fall. All right, Jeff, we're going to wrap things up. But just for today, uh, choppy before the decision. Do you expect things like this Dow rally to continue today? What's your outlook for today specifically? A lot of people trying to make some moves ahead of this big decision. Almost certainly on Fed days, you get a market reversal. You get an initial knee-jerk reaction on, on the statement, on the initial comments, and then a reversal from that. So be very careful trading around that 2 to 4 o'clock time frame today. All right. Jeff Kleintop, always great to have you here. Thank you very much. Your Wexware of the day, Thanks, El Nino. Right. That was an interesting one. All right, a quick look at futures before we let you go right now. Taking a look, futures in the red across the board. The S&P down fractionally about a tenth of a percent. The Dow and the Nasdaq down just about a quarter of a percent. We also want to take a look at treasuries ahead of the big Fed decision at 2 p.m. Eastern. Taking a look at treasuries right now, we're seeing the 10-year at 3.88, uh, pretty much where it's been uh, all week long, it's been pretty much range bound since that CPI came in cooler than expected. We're also taking a look at the energy market. Jeff just got hit on El Nino and its impact on the energy markets. WTI crude down almost 1%. Brent crude down almost just about the same amount. Natural gas down just about a third of a percent. All right, that's going to do us for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Thanks for your time. Thanks for watching. Microsoft shares down almost 4% as well. We've got Squawk Box coming up next. They'll continue the conversation.
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.